We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. An effort the past three years is on a wild ride, and on December 14th, some of you might know, we were waiting for a big announcement to learn whether or not we would be awarded a sizable military contract. So we were standing right in the middle of a potential $80 million deal on one side and a dumpster fire of liabilities that you don't even want to know about on the other. So when the word came on December 15th that the long-awaited announcement concerning the military contract had been delayed until February, I found myself unexpectedly felled by temporal hope. I thought I had made peace with whatever the outcome would be, when in fact my sense of hope for a desired outcome at a desired time wound up clouding a few other areas of perception. Maria and I had an uncommonly sticky conflict that day that went on for longer than it should have, precipitated by and aggravated by my lack of attention to something very important to her. I felt all the adrenaline that was building up ready to flood my system with enthusiasm and energy for the work ahead shift back into places in my body where it isn't supposed to go, making me feel drained and fatigued instead. And in the midst of it all, I had contracted COVID and was getting increasingly irritated with how a disease I'd managed to avoid since its inception finally came into my home, disrupted my life, and forced me to reimagine the hopes I'd had for what was a very well-planned season of Advent. Hope. It hardly seems a reliable thing, this hope. And so why in the world would our tradition hold it out as not only important, but even, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, one of the three things that last? Now I know in part, he writes, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Can Paul possibly be speaking of the kind of temporal hope we tend to think of in our culture? I hope I get that job. I hope we win that game. I hope I don't have cancer. And of course, when that kind of hope fails us, when the job falls through, when the victory doesn't come, but the cancer does, well, what is he really talking about here? To get at what kind of hope Paul is talking about, we need to understand the kind of love and faith he's talking about, too. Julie Fan helped us with this a couple of weeks ago. In fact, the title of her talk is You Are Love. And if you haven't listened to it, you can find it on the website or in the app, so I'm not going to spend much time rehashing it. But the brilliance at the heart of her talk is this concept of self, self with a capital S. The true self hidden so cleverly in most of us by our false selves. A self not driven by the ego, not driven by the impulses we ascribe to our Enneagram numbers and triads, but a deeper, truer self categorized by senses of calm, compassion, confidence, courage, clarity, curiosity, creativity, and connectedness. And what or who is this self? None other than our God who is love the indwelling divine, the inner light, the spark of creation, uniquely expressing itself through each of us in this room and on this live stream, the divine that connects us and is at the heart of our oneness. 
Thomas Merton, the 20th century Trappist monk, mystic and ecumenical poet, following a mystical experience where he grasped this oneness in a very deep way, said, at the center of our being is a point of nothingness, which is untouched by sin and illusion, a point of pure truth, a point or spark which belongs entirely to God, which is inaccessible to the fantasies of our own mind or the brutalities of our own will. This little point of nothingness is the pure glory of God. It is in everybody, and if we could see it, we would see these billions of points of light coming together in the face and blaze of a sun that would make all the darkness and cruelty of this world, pardon me, vanish completely. I have no program for this seeing. It is only given, but the gate of heaven is everywhere. It is everywhere, this kingdom of heaven. Jesus said it's at hand. So close, in fact, most of us can't see it. Transcendent, imminent, indwelling. Where do we end and where does God begin? And why do we even ask the question when our mental consciousness cannot answer it? That's not where the answer is. It's not in our brains, but it's written deep in our hearts. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God, Jesus said. And this is no purity culture statement. There's a more profound statement than most of us have probably considered, and it might just be the faith that Paul is talking about in Corinthians. Now I know in part, Paul says, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. That is a statement of faith. Faith not in creeds or dogma or scripture itself, as it's mostly been sold to us, but faith in the capacity to eventually know fully that which our rational perspective is too limited to completely apprehend, that God is not out there looking down, pulling strings, calling the shots, but instead right here, Emmanuel, God with us. It is liturgically still the Christmas season, the feast of the incarnation, which we in our Christian tradition have long been told is solely about Jesus as both newborn baby in a barn and God incarnate, coming to save us mere mortal sinners from eternal damnation. But the real miracle of the incarnation is that God is within each of us. Jesus never said, worship me. In fact, he says, follow me. You, too, can go where I go. You have the divine light in you, too. So this isn't new to us. We often speak of the inner light and the indwelling divine here at Common Thread. But the reason I bring it up today is because this is also where we find the kind of hope Paul is talking about in Corinthians. I recently heard it called mystical hope, as opposed to the temporal kind of hope we're used to. This kind of hope is not tied to outcomes, but rooted in the present, the only place where the spiritual life can be lived. It is a hope that comes from within, not from any particular conditions being met. It is a steady kind of confidence, not in what will come, but in what is. Mystical hope is a primordial force that gives us the capacity to be fully present and strong no matter the circumstances. You may have had some experiences of this yourself or at least seen it in others. Read about people who suffered through the Holocaust and you will find mystical hope thriving in the midst of the, even the most horrific circumstances. Eddie Hillesom, an uncommonly spiritually mature young Dutch, young Dutch Jewish author and mystic who died at the Auschwitz concentration camp, wrote, there is a really deep well inside me. Hold on, since I'm, lo I'm looking at these notes and I'm not used to the teleprompter. 
Sometimes I am there too. Just turn this over. Sometimes I am, let me say this again. There is a really deep well inside me, and in it dwells God. Sometimes I am there too, and that is all we can manage these days, and also all that really matters, that we safeguard that little piece of you, God, in ourselves. Some call that well hope. We aren't the source of this hope. The indwelling divine is, and as Thomas Merton said, there is no program for seeing this. In fact, it's super hard to see it and impossible to see it through our ego consciousness. Egoic thinking is an easy default because it tends to move us through our daily lives well enough, so as long as we can get by with that kind of thinking and acting, that's what we will do. So how do we get to the place where we are even motivated to seek this kind of hope? It's typically when we are forced out of an egoic way of thinking and an egoic way of being by something profound that we begin to find our way. That's when we find ourselves wanting to discern these deeper truths. Sometimes it's a peak mystical experience. Sometimes it's when we fall in love. More often than not, it's when we are smacked hard with something in this life that hurts like hell. Something that yanks the rug out from under us and leaves us gasping for air. It's eventually something like this that gives us this sense that our ordinary egoic consciousness ends in disillusionment and we want something more. And when life comes at us this way, we don't want to have hope. We want to dwell in it and for it to dwell in us. And if this sounds like something you want, you might be asking, how do I get there? Merton has no program for seeing, he says, but our tradition has refined practices that, when faithfully exercised over time, can clear in us a space for it being given, for grasping truth through different ways of knowing. We are fortunate here at Common Thread in that we don't have to look far to find some tools that will help us come to dwell in this hope. We can find our way through our contemplative practices. And today, I thought it might be a good idea for us to kick off the new year as a community, not by being cerebral and setting goals, not by placing hope in outcomes that may or may not ever happen, but by sitting together in communion with each other, by leaning into our oneness, letting thoughts go, and cultivating that space for accessing the mystical hope that dwells deep within us all. A centering prayer is a little different than most of the meditation work we're used to here at CTC. It's a simple, if not exactly easy, practice that when practiced consistently over time, allows us to accept hard situations with equanimity, expands our capacity to accept and love others without judgment, and increases our awareness of the divine presence in every person and circumstance we encounter. The gist of the practice is surrender, not to stop thinking or to fight thoughts as they arise, but rather to let them go gently so that they can pass through our awareness as we come back to our center so we can move ever more steadily toward dwelling in mystical hope. So if you're not familiar, here's how we do it. The first thing you'll want to do is choose a sacred word, any word, as a symbol of your intention to consent to the presence and action of the indwelling divine. This isn't a mantra, it's just a word that you'll use to come back to presence when thoughts begin to come and thoughts will come. You'll just sit comfortably with your eyes closed and silently introduce that word, and then you'll just sit. When you become aware of thoughts, return ever so gently to the sacred word and let the thoughts go. And at the end of the prayer period, 
you just remain in silence with your eyes closed for a minute or two. Now you'll notice I haven't put out any what are you thinking questions because I didn't want to introduce the complication of additional thoughts ahead of time. So when we're done, we'll just chat. I was gonna say in our small groups, but we already are a small group, so maybe we'll just chat together about our experience here today or any other similar experiences. So once you hear that chime, we're gonna do this for 10 minutes together until you hear the chime again. So don't expect anything to come necessarily during this session. The benefits are realized in your daily life as the fruits of consistent regular practice. And if you're interested in making this a consistent regular practice in your life, check out the church app later this week. We're gonna have some more information about how we'll do that as a community for anybody who's interested. But what better time as a community to spark an intention to come together in oneness to begin the path toward, kn toward knowing fully even as we are fully known and dwelling in mystical hope than New Year's Day. So if everybody would get comfortable, we'll begin. So indwelling divine, may 2023 be a year in which we all continue to access this well of hope and support each other in dwelling in mystical hope. Amen. So I think all the other words I'm supposed to say are on this teleprompter I'm not using. So we're gonna kind of wing it. We're gonna start with Common Thread being a great place to invest, to invest your your time, your energy, and your love. When you invest in Common Thread, we bring all of that together, we mix it up, and it comes back to us in spades. And I think everyone here knows um, what a blessed community this is, and so thank you for your investment of your time and yourself and everything it takes to keep this operation running. And in a moment, we're going to dismiss the folks on the live stream, but we're not going to dismiss you guys here in the room. Is there anything else I'm supposed to be saying? I don't think so. All right, so if everyone would put your hands over your hearts. As we talked about today, that the indwelling divine is here in each one of us, in each of us and in everyone around each of us. And this is our true self. Our true self is in there. And may we share this true self as we extend our hand out to our community, to our city, to our neighbors, to those we work with, to those with whom we go to school and our neighbors. May we be bearers of that inner light in this world. Amen. All right, live stream. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.